Amen. Well, good morning to you all. I am Pastor Danny. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am grateful to have the opportunity to share with you this morning. But I would like to start off by wishing all of the mothers in the room happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. I wish my mom the best mom ever <laughs> a happy Mother's Day. But for me, you know, my journey to motherhood hasn't been the most ideal. And I don't know if any of you share that, but I want to wish you a Mother's Day as well. Mothers look and come in all different shapes, sizes, and everything. And I also want to say Happy Mother's Day to the fathers that have had to step in for the absence of a mother. Everyone in some form has been a mother to some child. So if you've ever been in Safeway and saw a child running and tearing stuff down, and you said, don't do that, your mother said, Happy Mother's Day to you. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to you. So I just want to acknowledge everyone in the room. Happy Mother's Day, whether you're young or more mature, have 10 kids or 10 dogs. Happy Mother's Day to you. There you go, 10 dogs. Happy Mother's Day. Well, I, because I have this time here, want to give a shout out to my husband because he has definitely done a great thing for Mother's Day for me. He blessed me and surprised me with my sister coming in today. So <laughs> my sister, my big sister is here all the way from Texas to spend Mother's Day with me together. So happy Mother's Day to you too, Sissy. I love you. Okay. All right. So grab your Bibles. We're going to walk through the Bible. We're going to go through about four scriptures. The first scripture is really short, but if you keep your Bible open, and you remember your Bible song from Vacation Bible School, you'll be able to flip through the other chapters really quickly. If not, it's on the screens. John chapter 8, verse 36. We're going to start there. John chapter 8, verse 36. And we're reading from the NIV version. And it says, Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. The title of my message this morning is Free at Last. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. When civil rights leader Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered these immortal words on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on August 28, 1963, he created a landmark moment in the fight for civil rights. Last week, Pastor Ben encouraged us with his sermon that through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have been given the ultimate freedom freedom in him. During his sermon, Pastor Ben asked a question. He asked, could you imagine being free in Christ? And when he asked that question, it really made me think, if the scripture says who the son has set free is free indeed, why is it so hard to imagine having that freedom? What are the barriers that keep ourselves from breaking the chains of bondage and truly being free to become who God has designed us to be? 
And I'll admit, I have fallen victim of not living into that same freedom. I've allowed the enemy to use events in my life to plant seeds that took root and grew trees that were filled with fruits of lies. That blossomed leaves that blocked me from seeing the glory of the sun. It was only by the grace of God that through his saving power, I was set free. Now, fortunately enough, from my own experiences, I have identified three things that can try to keep us from experiencing that freedom in Christ. That can try to keep us in bondage or chained from being able to live into the freedom of Christ that he has given us. And my prayer is that by the end of this message today, that you will be one step closer towards experiencing freedom in Christ. So let's get started. My first point is that first thing that tries to keep us from bondage, keeps us in bondage, is our childhood. Our childhood has a way of keeping us from experiencing that freedom in Christ. One of my favorite things to do is to look at old pictures of my childhood. I look at pictures, some I laugh, some I try to hide because I don't want anybody else to see these pictures. But some are happy enough to where I'm like, you know what, I think I'm going to share them. So I picked a few. Put your phones away. It's okay, I locked them before you came in. <laughs> no, just kidding. I have some pictures that I want to share with you from my own childhood. First picture is me and my sister. This is me when I was a baby. Now, let me, let me just preface this and say, these pictures are before iPhones, before 4K, before you could just take your phone and take pictures. So they have not been digitally remastered, okay? <laughs> these are old 1980s pictures. This is a picture when I graduated from pre-K. I was so excited. I was on my way to Harvard Law. <laughs> Some pictures make you say, thank you, Lord, that puberty is just for a moment. <laughs> yes. Mm. My husband saw that picture. He said, whoa, you, <laughs> you have come a long way. <laughs> Yes, I have. <laughs> and then there's this picture. Some pictures remind you of a moment. They remind you of a time in life. But like my slide said that sometimes our childhood can keep us in bondage. Isaiah 43 and 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. In that picture that I showed you, I was about three years old. And it was my first time being able to take a picture with Santa Claus. I was so excited. I was often described as a sweet little girl who followed all the rules. Never got into any trouble, not even an ounce of trouble. I was perfect. Yes, I was. 
I was every parent's dream. All the parents would marvel at how awesome I was as a child. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I am just kidding. I was a good kid, but I was a little rough around the edges. Yes. Now, some of you may or may not know, but when my parents got a divorce, my sister and I moved in with my grandparents. And my grandmother raised us. Now, most people would say, oh, wow, grandparents? That's awesome. You lived a life. Mm, You didn't meet my grandmother. (laughs) Didn't know my grandmother. My grandmother, known in the neighborhood as Miss Charlene, she ruled with an iron fist. I was born in the South, raised in the South. I had a Southern grandmother who was just a little bit taller than me, but a little bit wider than me. She did not play. She didn't play radio. Now, right in front of her yard was this willow tree that at any moment she would hold field trips to for children that needed to go. I'll tell you that my grandmother, when she said to do something, she meant it. When she asked you to do something, she meant for you to do it on the first time. No questions asked. Now me, on the other hand, I was um, an inquisitive child. I like to ask questions. I wondered why we did certain things. I was a little sassy, a smidge, a little stubborn, and I kind of wanted my way. So you can imagine the dynamic of an old school Southern grandmother and a little sassy little girl, what that household looked like. I took many trips to that willow tree (laughs) in my day. But one thing I knew is that my grandmother, she loved me. She wanted to make sure that I came out to be exactly who God called me to be. You see, my grandmother was there when my father wasn't. Growing up without a father, it hurt. I always felt like something was missing. I never understood why other kids had what I didn't. And as I grew up and became an adult, I always felt like there was a hole, constantly trying to find something to fill that hole. For years, I suffered from absent father syndrome. Not able to fully receive what God was giving me because I was constantly looking at what he didn't. It wasn't until I allowed Christ to free me from that place of hurt and allow him to heal my heart that I was able to forgive my father to love him from a place of peace, and then ultimately lead my father to Christ. It's all because of the freedom that my everlasting father in heaven gave me. I don't know what your childhood was like. Maybe you were blessed with two amazing parents that allowed you to experience the blessings of God in that, and that is something 
to be thankful for. And then some of you, maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't have the most perfect family dynamic. Maybe it even caused you to experience some pain, some hurt. Question who God is making you to become. And if that be the case, know that Christ has set us free from the bondage of our childhood. The process of the wounds, the healing of the wounds to live into that freedom may not complete itself today or tomorrow. It may even take a few years. But one thing I know is that your Father in heaven wants to trade you a garment of praise for your spirit of heaviness. You have been given freedom in Christ. The second thing that tries to keep us in bondage are our mistakes. Psalm 25 and 7 says, Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Now, the way our childhood turned out is not in our control. But the way our life and the directions that we take, yes, we've got some control in those things. Now, I told you I was from the South, and I had a Southern grandmother, and she was a Christian woman. So I went to church every single day, literally every single day. We went to church so much. If you came over my house, my grandmother would say, anything that's not nailed to the ground is going to church. <laughs> Sometimes the doll would be at the church steps. <laughs> We went to church so much, I can remember we would go to church on Mondays, it would be the deacon meeting. Tuesdays, it would be the prayer meeting. Wednesday was Bible study. Thursday, we had choir rehearsal. Friday was youth night. Saturday was women's breakfast. Sunday was everybody meeting. We went to church so much. So one day, I got up the confidence to ask my grandmother, I said, do we have to go to church every day? Like, do we get credit for going last week? Like, we went all last week. Yes, to the willow tree I went. <laughs> yes, I asked that question. So by the time I got to college, though, I had had enough of church. By my second year of college, I took Jesus, I put him on a shelf, and I said, I will see you at graduation. I'm going to have fun. Turning my back on Jesus was the worst mistake I ever made. I had relationships with people I shouldn't have had. I partied. I drank. I did things that I shouldn't have done. I did everything but honor God. When God found me, my life was spinning out of control. But in 2007, all that changed. God saw fit to redeem me from the hands of the enemy. I repented. I turned from that lifestyle, and I have not looked back since. Now, although I was grateful that God came and rescued me, I couldn't stop beating myself up for the mistakes that I made. 
It's like Satan is the mastermind of bringing our past mistakes to the forefront of our thoughts. He tends to remind us of our mistakes right when we're about to make that big step of faith towards God. For me, as soon as I would be preparing a youth ministry sermon or preparing a small group lesson, he would remind me of those mistakes I made in college. He would tell me, you can't tell them that. You remember what you did? I would shrink back. I kept feeling like, maybe, God, you chose the wrong person. But I am so glad that Jesus died for my sins past, present, and future. And the Bible said that we serve a God that is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's because of that that we no longer need to be slaves to our past mistakes, that you can forget the former things because you have been made new. The last thing that, tra- that keep, tries to keep us in bondage, sadly, ourselves. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Okay, so next month will make one full year of me being at Marin Covenant Church. I know. I am so excited. has been a great year. You all are amazing. Did you know that? (laughs) This church is so great. And although we've been with each other for almost a year, you don't know me as well as I want you to. So one of the things I like to do is, through my sermons, I like to share a few things about myself so that you can, one, get to know me, but more so, you get to know the God that I serve. So, here's a fun fact. I love music. I love music. All kinds of music. There's not a genre that I can say that I don't like. Maybe bagpipes, but after you listen to it for a while, it kind of, I don't know, you kind of start, you can't stop listening to it. It's kind of good. But I love all types of music, from bluegrass to jazz to Christian rock to gospel. I love all music. I love rap. I love it all. And here's the trivia question. If you can guess it, then it's coffee with me. On me, coffee. You can get a grande, too. (laughs) Okay, so I was in the band from 7th through 9th grade. Who can guess what instrument I played? Just shout it out. How did you get that on the first time? Who said that? Okay, well, we got, come on, come get your coffee. Woo! Give it up for Dave. That was no fun. I was expecting flute, clarinet. Thank you. you said you're welcome. So we got coffee. Yes, I played the tuba. I did, I'll tell you why. Another sermon. <laughs> I played the tuba. And I even marched the sousaphone. 
in ninth grade. You know, sousaphone, that's when it wraps around you and comes like this. Yes, <laughs> I marched the sousaphone. I was 4'11", and I marched that thing like I was six feet tall. I did. Okay, so I remember we were preparing for the 4th of July parade, and we were learning a song that this song, I had never heard the song before, but in ninth grade I heard this song. This song became my jam. I love this song, and I have it for you to hear today. Okay, so if you know the song, you have to sing along. So here's the song. Oh, I love that song. No one believes me when I tell them that. I love that song. Y'all know the words? We're about to sing it. You ready? Here we go. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. Rising up to the challenge of our rival. And the last known survivor starts his prey in the night as he's watching us all with the of Tiger, yes! Give it up for the MCC rock band. Tickets for the tour go on sale in the lobby today. Yes, kid shirts, I'm just kidding. I love that song. I love it because it inspires you to stand up against any challenge. To stand, I know Rocky, stand up against any rival you may face. And the best line is this, this is, and the last known survivor stalks his prey in the night and he's watching us all with the eye of the tiger. That is totally Jesus. That is Jesus. The last known survivor? He is the survivor and he's watching us because he wants to have our back and let us know when he needs to pounce on the enemy. That song inspired me. And it speaks directly to what Paul is saying in the scripture in chapter three. Paul warns us against having confidence in our flesh, having confidence in our own way of doing things. Yes, our childhood may have been challenging. Yes, there might have been times when we dwell too much on our past, but at the end of the day, it all boils down to one thing, me. The one within. How we move in Christ, how much of the freedom he has given us that we decide to live into all depends on that internal battle between me, myself, and I. Even when we feel like God has something in store for us, even when things are going great, something knocks us down and we lose faith. Don't get me wrong. I know that the enemy is real and he is daily looking to see who he can devour. But the person that beats me up more than the enemy is me. I can be my worst enemy. You see, we allow ourselves to talk us out of experiencing the goodness of the Lord because we don't deserve it, or because we haven't earned it, or because we've messed up way too many times, or because we're not worth it. 
But God didn't say that. God said you are the head and not the tail. God said you are above only and not beneath. God said that you are a royal priesthood that you are victorious, that you are a conqueror. Matter of fact, he said you are more than a conqueror. God said you are the apple of his eye. And when he made you, you were very good. Your daddy has made a way, a life just for you. You don't believe, don't you dare believe, the lies that anyone, anything, or even yourself try to speak into you. You are no longer slaves to your past or your childhood. You are no longer in bondage to the mistakes that you've made. You are no longer bound or chained even to your own devices. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Walk in your freedom. Walk in the freedom that Christ has given you. Become who God has designed you to become. The last scripture that I want to leave with you is John chapter 8, verse 30 through 32. And it says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will will set you free. Know the truth. Walk in that truth, and allow the truth of Christ to set you free. We are no longer bound. The chains have been broken, and the yokes are destroyed. Jesus has given you the freedom to become who God has called you to be. You are free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Let's give God a hand clap of praise, amen, amen.